Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey gang, Kate here. Welcome back to The Drop-In. We are on the road again. I'm talking to you right now from a bridge around the back of an Aldi supermarket not just for fun, it leads into Luton Town's training ground and we're waiting for their press conference to finish so that we can meet one of the most exciting young British managers in football right now, Rob Edwards. He and Luton have secured playoff football for the second straight season with a budget a fraction of many of their championship rivals and they have a massive shot at making the Premier League this time. With a stadium that holds only 10,000, that would be a remarkable achievement. Rob has done a great job of building on the side that Nathan Jones had assembled before him. But it could have all been very different. He actually started this season at Watford. He was headhunted from Forest Green Rovers after he won League Two. And he was promised time at the club, but safe to say, at Watford, he didn't get any. Today, I want to ask him about the turbulence of modern management. Dig into his style a little bit more and find out about his pathway as a coach through the England youth setups, one that Steve Cooper and Gareth Southgate took before him. This is the drop in with Rob Edwards. Rob, thank you so much for doing this for us. Pleasure. Um, a lot to talk to to talk to you about your your career generally, but it would be great to start with thinking about Luton Town specifically. And I know we're not there yet. I know there's all sorts of football that's got to be played. But the idea that this football club potentially could be in the Premier League and what that would look like as an idea, as a concept for the people of Luton and for this, for this team that, you know, really, when you go to 
go to Kenilworth Road, you think, wow, this seems very, very far away from the Etihad, for example. <laughs> it is a bit, it's as far away as you can get from the Etihad. Uh, I think for the people, you know, for the players, the, the town itself, the, um, our, the owners who are football fan, uh, Luton Town fans and have saved this club and helped get it to where it is now, it would mean the world. It would be incredible. Um, for the for the wider <laughs> for the Premier League viewers and other fans of other clubs, it would be interesting. It would be a unique uh, day out for them, yeah. and um, a little bit different. Maybe there'll be one or two that might not want us to do it. But look, we're in the mix, and it's hard for me to even talk about getting there right now. And you know, there is there's two league games to go, and then we know we've got those two huge playoff games in the semi final, and so there's a lot to navigate. But um, I do like to dream. I do like to think about it. I've done that from the minute we came in. We've um, we've tried to talk really positively with the players. You know, they achieved something great last year in reaching the playoff semi-finals, and the playoffs. We'd love to go a couple of steps further this time. Mm. For lots of our listeners in the states and, and people who follow football generally who might never have been to to Kenilworth Road, can you give can you give our listeners a sense of it? Because of course, one of the things that you can read about, you see, is that. If you're coming into the away stand, you basically go through people's back gardens to get into that. And I just find, you know, it is a bit like a, a magical shed of football whenever we come yeah. to watch football here. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it is. I mean, it looks a really old stadium now that will hold 10, 11,000 people, but it does have people's houses right around it and attached to it and you're part of it. And, you know, you go into main reception, which is underneath a, a road and, um, you know, then all of a sudden it just... It's, it's our it's our home then and it just becomes our stadium and uh, it, it kind of it's just part of the fabric in this 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 part of the town um, I love approaching the ground on a match day and coming in and then just seeing the lights and just sort of seeing it appear from nowhere and then walking into that that reception area to to go in to the office it's it's a unique stadium it's like nothing nothing else I don't think that we've got in this country now but you're right. I mean, I, I actually, <laughs> when I was Watford manager earlier in the season, yes, came to watch an away game here, and then I, I, I didn't go. I was going, kept going to the wrong place to get my ticket. <laughs> so I was walking through people's back gardens. I went in about three houses, I think, to to find my way in, and um, yeah, listen, eventually found my, my way in my seat. Unique place, like nothing else, gritty, you know. Um, but it is. It's this. This town is really working class. Working class people and um, people who um, they really they, they really appreciate. I think hard work is, and, and I think that's why we've got a real good connection with the supporters and everyone at the moment because the players give everything. You know, you, I feel at home here. But I still think there's so much more to to learn about the place and the club, um, and hopefully we'll get the time to do that. But yeah, I can't. I sort of. It's hard to sort of say on a on a match day and when the when it's full and when the crowd are with it. It doesn't feel like ten thousand people. It feels like there's fifty in there yeah. uh, when it's rocking, and that's that's hard to do. Uh, it's a special special place. I really 
feel like I know what you're talking about when I'm kind of leaning around to see the uh, the girl when I because there's yeah. a post the post in your way you sit and the yeah. the way it feels like it's funny to talk about how it feels sort of like a house as well just because of the aesthetic of it but also because of the vibe that you're creating so it must be it must be fascinating to have to have come in well mid season of course taking over from Nathan Jones that's that's a challenge, right? Coming in from someone who's kind of shaped the club and, and done so well. Yeah. How did that feel in that moment? Scary, um, intimidating. Made me really question, is this going to be the right one for me? Mm. Previous employer was our biggest rivals and, you know, I'm taking over potentially from, you know, from someone who has done an incredible job. You know, um, it, it, yeah, it worried me. And it it made me really, really think we have to hit the ground running yeah. because we might not get as much time here because I think, you know, our fans, they're very intelligent, they do get it, but also I think they'll be quick to tell you if, if it's not going well. Um, so I was concerned. Um, but then once we made, once I was, you know, was, I suppose, lucky enough to be given the opportunity and I thought, yeah, this is the right thing, then you've got to fully commit and you've got to be confident in... in what I can do and, and, and with the staff um, to try and keep that great work going. And I think that was the biggest thing, Kate. It was not, it was not to come in and change too much. It was uh, recognising all the good work that's gone on, mm. that the lads have done, the staff, Nathan, obviously, and, and then trying to continue that and, and then evolve and grow as we, as we go. Not, not a case of just changing you know, straight away. Mm. Um, I think if you take over a club that might be in the bottom three, you know, midway through the season, then of course you want, you, you're going to have to have an impact. You're there because you're having to have an impact. Yeah. You know, I was coming in because a Premier League club had taken Nathan because he'd done such a good job. So it's, it was right. I've got to try and be clever here and recognize the good work that's been done and, and try and keep that going. Yeah. And cause you, of course, so you won the league with, with Forest Green Rovers, but it's a, it's a big jump obviously in league. Can you give us a sense of like, as a football manager or when you were thinking about your career, how, yeah, how, how did you plan it out or what are you thinking? Or is it just kind of, I'll do this job and then I'll, I'll get the next one and bloody blah. This is, where, this is where I might ramble now. Yeah, you do want, I you want to know. Ramble, yeah, I okay. genuinely want to know. Yeah, so <laughs> I, um, I was part of the Blackpool squad that got promoted um, to the Premier League under Ian Holloway. Ian Holloway, who to, we've also to, just to, had on as Yeah, well. so he can ramble probably yeah, a lot better yeah, yeah, than yeah, me yeah. anyway. And, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I was having a good long chat with him yesterday, actually, on the phone, on my dog walk. But he um, he did incredible things at the club and we were probably favourites to go down and get relegated that year and we got promoted. So after being part of that group and seeing what he'd done, it, it made me really start to think, That's, oh, I'd, I'd fancy a little bit of that, I'd like to do that. Because to be honest, before that, I think I was about, I think I was about 26, 27 when we, got, when we got promoted. So before that, I didn't think it was for me. Management. I didn't think so. You know, I tried to go through my coaching badges a couple of times and hadn't enjoyed them. I don't, I, maybe it was how the FA or whatever were doing them at the time. I hadn't enjoyed how they were getting delivered and I hadn't really enjoyed, you know, uh, that process, to be honest. And yeah. I, I, my dad was always saying to me, you need to try and do your badges, you need to be thinking about what's next. And I, was, I wasn't sure it was for me. But after that, I was pretty convinced. I got onto my B licence. I did it with the FAW, with the Welsh um, FA, playing for Wales. I wanted to keep that link. And um, 
I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was an intensive course. It was a week away. Some really good people. Some big names were on the course as well. It was great. So it was, it was good. And uh, you get to meet great people. It was a really good week. Um, fast forward another year. I wasn't good enough to play, unfortunately, in the Premier League. I played a couple of games. I went on loan in the January to Norwich. And we got promoted there as well. Um, <laughs> I didn't play much either, but I was, part, <laughs> I was part of these sort of special squads. And, and seeing how Paul Lambert had done it differently... But having real success, it just thought, yeah, this is this is definitely what I want to do now. Mm. Um, went to Barnsley and I was coming, like, I had two years at Barnsley and I, I sort of stopped enjoying the playing side. I was travelling quite a bit. And you're um, on the bench a bit as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd, um, I'd gone in and I was captain when I first went there yeah. and, and then I just, I'd, my body was breaking down all the time. I was having a lot of injuries. I wasn't enjoying it as much. I was, just couldn't stay fit. The second year at Barnsley, I had like four, um, four weeks, four games at Fleetwood, broke down again on loan, come back, went to Shrewsbury, four games, broke down again. And, and it was just a really tough season, a couple of years. I thought, right, okay, I've got to focus on this now, I've got to make it happen because I'm just, I just made a decision. I didn't even want to drop down any levels. I didn't want to then play part-time. I didn't even think about it. I think it was right, it was coaching. I was on my A licence by this moment. Um, so right, okay, jump in. So I used some contacts, and I was really lucky, known some really good people in the game, played with good people over the years. And I got in front of Mark Allen, who was the academy director at Manchester City at the time. Um, got some time with him, and he said, "Look, great, you know, it was, you, you can come in and shadow Gareth Taylor, who was the under 16s coach, who's now the women's team manager." Um, and I knew Gareth from a few squads with Wales as well, so it was a really good fit. Um, so I started doing that for like three days a week and just stuck to it. And was, was, I think we moved back to Birmingham around this time. My family, my wife was pregnant with our third child. It was 30, we'd stopped playing, we'd moved out. All this is going on. It's right. So there's a bit of a, without really realising at the time, there's a bit of pressure on here to make, to, to, a, to get a job as well, you know. So um, we're lucky we had a bit there that we could, you know, but I'm not, I hadn't had like a top career where, you can just sit back and relax now for the next 20, 30 years. And I, I wanted to work. I needed to work. So People do overestimate that as well. People, yeah, don't, people, re- yeah. you know, people think footballer and yeah, they sort of just put everyone it, into the know? same category. Yeah. Of, of and, I, and I hadn't been. I'd played at a decent level. It would always really been the championship. I'd had, like I said, the four games in League One and League Two at the back end in the last year when I was trying to get fit. But it would always been championship or involved with you know, Premier League teams. Um, and I heard that one of my former clubs, Wolves, wanted to get some... Uh, ex-players in into the academy so I had a meeting there and I was able to to incorporate that into my schedule if you like so I was sort of driving up to Manchester doing the session coming back and then I was able to sort of practice a bit in the night at Wolves so their academy was still a little bit behind cities and the 15s and 16s were training on a Tuesday and Thursday night still so I was sort of working up at City and learning a lot and then I was able to actually practice a little bit more at Wolves and then this was just sort of becoming you know, it was, it was growing and it became six or seven days a week. It was great. And uh, I was really fortunate at the end of the season, I got offered the under-14s at Man City and I got offered the under-18s at Wolves. Mm. Um, it was a great position to be in. I'd worked hard to, to, to get those opportunities. And um, like I said, we just had, just had our third child, our newborn. We've just moved back to Birmingham where our families were, my wife's family's there and, and I'm, um, my family were not too far away. Wolves were a former club, the under-18s, it just seemed to tick more boxes so I went down that route um, so that was me in like got a job now it's right the hard work really sort of starts 
Um, so it was always that someone saying to you, do you fancy it, this? The way it happened, the reason why, um, Sam Ricketts was, had just gone on loan from Wolves to Swindon. Sam as an experienced defender just was sort of starting to transition a little bit himself into sort of the coaching stroke playing bit. Because yeah. uh, Sam went on to Swindon, they, um, Ken asked me to, to sort of almost take that role and have a little bit bit of a sort of try and build a rapport with the defenders. Um, so that was my main area of focus, but just to carry on helping and, and whatever they needed, you know, but I was up with the first team almost as a first team coach. And then Ken asked me to do that and carry on full time. So my, my job then was first team coach at Wolves, which was great. Did a season with um, under Kenny, takeover happened. And um, unfortunately, Kenny and Joe Gallen lost their jobs. Um, Walter Zenger came in, did about 16 games, I think, under Walter. <laughs> lots going on now. There's lots of players coming and, and, you know, obviously foreign manager, different way of working. I really liked him. But it was quite wacky as well, yes, so it was it was good. Um, and then, unfortunately, when Walter lost his job, um, I got the opportunity then to be interim head coach for a couple of games. So I did. I was thirty three now, I think, at this time, and um, that point then is the proudest moment of my career. Really, it was, you know, I was proud to sort of represent Wales and you know play. Like, 10 games I got in the Premier League so there was some real things that have been part of promotions and stuff some great things but uh, leading Wolves out um, was that was incredible so that was great Paul Lambert came in uh, worked with Paul uh, then till the end of that season and then we all got sacked um, and Nuno came in you know and obviously we all know what happened then um, Kind of on the Wolves umbrella sting thing, I got a, an opportunity then to go and work at Telford in the National League North and be manager. Telf and, and I thought this is a risk worth taking here now to try and lead, be a manager of a men's team. Okay, I don't know that much about the level, but it's a really good opportunity for me. Um, and I thought this is the next thing now to try and help me get to where I, where I want to go. This I, I need to do this. Um, so it was a big risk. I remember, you know, sort of getting announced and then speaking to the players and having a meeting. There was about 27 players who I didn't know who any of them were. Um, loads of them were on trial. Um, There's about six of them that are signed and some of them then on non-contract terms and all that sort of stuff. There's lots to work out and try and understand the level. Um, was it intimidating talking yeah. to this this room of not, people? Not really. Of faces I think, you didn't. Not really. I, I, I've always. I've been okay in those sorts of situations. I mean, um, I think when you feel confident in what message you want to be able to deliver and, and I think connecting with people, I've been all right with. So I think that initial first impression, I think it was okay and it was that was fine. I'm always nervous in those sorts of situations because I think, you know, it's good, you, you care and I think if it's something different or a new club or your first meeting, I think that's really important as well. So, um, but it was it was... A case of then, right, jumping at the deep end, right, try and get to know the players as quickly as possible. Really, within a few days, make really difficult calls and sort of say, right, sorry, 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 Change sorry, sorry. Lives right. in yeah, some cases, sort of, yeah. I mean, this is obviously it's National League North, so it's not, you know, you're not telling someone now you're not going to be earning loads and loads of money, but you know, some of these lads might be on trial or whatever, and it was just I had to make quick decisions on that to then quickly try and you know. Um, 
get a head of recruitment that could help me with some of that sort of stuff as well. And and I think without going too much into that situation, uh, we started okay, we had a bad middle and then we came good again at the end. I think the year as a whole, it probably took me too long to work out what I needed to work out. But we got there in the end. I think I went in with some ego and thought, I'll be able to do this, I'll be able to sort of coach them. I'll be able to get some young players in on loan from Wolves. I'll be able to do this, that, and the other, and I'll and and I'll be able to get it going. And I couldn't. And I didn't. Um, I think the last thirteen games, we re- we got a, we found a way. Um, listened to the staff. My staff sort of told me we need to simplify it, Rob. Um, I was probably overcomplicating it, um, which we did. And um, good little bit of recruitment as well, which in non-league you can do throughout the season. <clears throat> continuously and um, and we got there in the end but it was real it was it was really good because that that time Telford was like my Real Madrid you know that's what I that's all I thought about it's all I cared about I wanted to win as much as as anyone and um, there were some tough times we had like once we got into the winter it was really good learning for me once we got to the winter and the, we had some bad weather that year snow and all sorts we had loads of games called off and then um, the pitch was terrible and we're, we're, and then we're having to play Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday and it was all this sort of and I was thinking like I remember going out to water the dog thinking oh, are we going to get through this because we, we're in a relegation battle it's not what I thought this was going to be like um, but it was great for me that showing that we can come through it by being consistent sticking to a plan listening to the staff keeping it simple you know it, it, probably the best I would say bit of learning that I've had in my career so far there might only be a thousand people there but then you hear those people more and when it's not going well that was it's hard yeah you and can literally gotta, tell yeah, that it's like Beryl yeah, getting annoyed you know you want to be like thanks mate thanks for your support you know <laughs> yeah. We're really trying here don't mean to make we don't work on that you know it's just happened but um, so yeah it was really really good experience not really enjoyable at the time but very good um, experience went back in then to Wolves to take the under 23s and then learned a heck of a lot more from a football point of view maybe a tactical point of view from Nuno because we had to mirror what they did so that was really good for me like out of possession like be really really um, really detailed but because we had some really good players we had like Pedro Goncarves who's like ripping up at Sporting Lisbon now Max Kilman who's in the first team um, Niall Ennis is doing really well at Plymouth and we had some really good players and um, we but, but also there was a bit of pressure on from from above from the from the chairman to, to win the league as well and get promoted which was a bit mad in 23's football but I suppose good for my development again a um, little bit into the next year got a call would I be interested in a job at the FA and, and then um, I thought right well and this is the English FA at this point yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and I thought With yeah because I just felt I don't speak any other languages and I don't sort of hadn't um, maybe had anything that different on the CV what's this, what's going to help me get to where I want to go I remember um, Kev Farewell who was you know technical director at Wolves at the time was saying that, you know when I was trying to make the decision um, you know he's got where do you want to get to Rob is this going to help you get there and it, I, I did think yeah this is going to help me progress you know, there's going to be really good people there to learn from, top players. Yeah. This is going to help. Um, so I went for it, did it. And Steve, was Steve Cooper there? Was Coops had just left. Oh, just so left. at the same time, Coops was just joining Swansea. Right. Um, I knew Coops. 
part of the Welsh Mafia, is he well, not? Yeah, but I spoke to him a lot about the FA and what it'd be, you know, would it be good? He thought it'd be the right thing for me as well to, to keep moving forward. Um, so I initially went in as the in-possession coach with the under-20s to work with Keith Downing, who was the head coach. Keith's brilliant. Um, he's now working at Birmingham City, uh, helping John Eustace, assistant manager there. And um, then COVID happened. Mm. So I never got to see the best of the FA. It was like, uh, you know, I, I was supposed to be going on to do a World Cup with under-20s in Indonesia, but, you know, scrapped. And it was unfortunate. So got to work with loads of good people, got to obviously see bits of it but not the full thing but for about 20 22 months I was there you know took some games my role changed I was the 20s assistant and the 16s head coach worked with some good players built some good relationships with some top coaches and people in other fields as well there um, but so it's just about never, networking a it bit was a, well, li- yeah. a little bit but I, def- I learned loads there and it reaffirmed loads of my thoughts and, and beliefs as well there so that was good you know I think you know Gareth and Steve Holland are amazing and always got time for you. And, and I think that was, you know, both brilliant and, and um, you know, really, really helpful as well. But but then another opportunity came along, which was Forest Green. And um, yeah, I thought it was just felt, it just felt right. You know, Mark Cooper had had like five years in charge before that club, so he'd had time, he'd had support. The, the, the team had just reached the playoffs so they were used to winning and being at the right end of the league so I didn't feel like I thought going in and John McDermott's advice now who's obviously technical director at the FA and he was brilliant in helping me like Kev Farewell was at Wolves before but John was like one bit of advice for him was do you think you can, can you win can you win there because you've got to win now otherwise that's that's you and uh, I thought we could you know I thought we could and, and it went pretty well and, and then what for happened and then we're here now. <laughs> One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash ramble. Talk to me about Watford then, because the fascinating thing, of course, is, you know, you're talking about um, hoping to get time at clubs and hoping to mm. build something. And, and as you said, even talking about the was it Telford job, talking about how that it maybe it took you a bit longer than than you'd expected. But you had you kind of had that time because it was slightly less mm. pressure. But it seems as though you think you do tend to need like to bed in and to get to know everybody and to blah, 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 blah. And of course with Watford, you know, you took yeah. that job, yeah. you took it mm-hmm. and you, like everybody else knows yeah. what kind of, what the deal is there, right? Did. What did you think was going to happen? No, I knew I was going to get sacked. I just didn't know it'd be after <laughs> 10, I just didn't know it'd be after 10 league games, you know? Uh, um, so. Because they said, fun. they were like, oh, we'll back you come hell yeah. or high water. That was mm-hmm. the quote. So. Yeah, that was the quote. Felt safe as houses. I thought, yeah, come on, we're going to get this going. Um, <laughs> but but the thing is if it hadn't have gone well at Forest Green if we hadn't won our first four games and we'd lost our first four games it could have been completely different there you've got to win anywhere you go okay. um, so yeah I might have got and, and look by the way Rich Hughes who's you know director of football at Forest Green who is now at Portsmouth if he hears me saying that I th- I'm sure he would say he would have supported me but it might have been a little bit more difficult um, but yeah of course Watford's a different kettle of fish and it was like gone from real stability to, to kind of the opposite end of the scale now and I knew it but it was it, I just felt like this is an opportunity I can't turn down I've taken risks right the way throughout I've, I've gone from a you know I've, I've gone youth team football I've taken the risk to join the first team Kenny said look we're gonna you're gonna get sacked at some stage we did National League North don't know anything about it but go on let's have a go you know the FA Forest Green they're, they're all risks but I think if you want to try and get better and progress then you've got to take risk get out of your comfort zone and and um and show people what you can do and we thought we could do it at Watford I say we because Richie Richie Kyle was my assistant at Forest Green and um and came with me and I'm um, looking at him he's look at his hair now and I, um some guy but we we felt we could do it um and it was mad you know we had a really tough start um we had Sheffield United at home we had West Brom away and then we had Burnley at home. Um, all live on TV. And it was during the transfer window as well still. And this window was a really long one. I don't know if you remember at the beginning, the summer transfer window was like, it was mental. And we had Ismail Assar, Emmanuel Dennis and Joao Pedro, who just seemed to be that all everyone was talking about every day. It was Watford on... on I just turned the telly on, it was just Watford. Like there was more talk about us than any Premier League team because of those three at that time so it was just felt the heat and then we had those three games and then we managed to beat Sheffield United 1-0 we drew West Brom away amazing SAR goal and we got battered a bit but we drew one on and then we managed to beat Burnley as well so after three games we played those three teams we're on seven points we're thinking alright you know come on we'll get this going and we sort of finished the month alright 
we're back fifth place, I think we were. Um, I think we had 12 points from seven games. So we were okay, you know, we'd, we'd, we were doing all right. And then I think we were nominated for manager of the month and it was like, uh, okay, we've done all right. <laughs> and then we went, draw, lost, draw, sacked. <laughs> so like, wow, that's happened quick. You know, and then it was just mad. It's mad it was when mad you how say it like happened that. and yeah. everything as well. It was just crazy how it happened. How was it delivered? Like, what was the yeah, conversation? Yeah, yeah. Can you sense... Could you sense it? What was the deal? What's the vibe? No, it was, well, we, I kind of, I'd heard, I'd heard rumours a few days before that, you know, this could be happening. So I'd, I'd known for a couple of days that, you know, and then I had to wait over the weekend. It was an international break. Um, what does that feel like? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was probably a little bit numb at that stage, a little bit shocked, but, but at the same time, not, not, yeah. you know, not shocked. Um, you know, we'd just drawn with Sunderland. They just scored a late equaliser. I think we drew 2-2 at home. A couple of bits of unrest in the crowd, you know what I mean? Not loads, but just, you know, a little bit. Um, and you're expected to beat Sunderland at home if you're Watford, you know, at the moment. And, um, and uh, yeah, I just, anyway, it was international break. We got through the first week. Thought, right, we're getting some of these players back fit now because... We hadn't had the full group to work with. Um, and we thought we can get some good work in now in this international break and we're gonna, we can take off. And um, no, like I said, I'd heard a few rumours and then, you know, um, yeah, it just, it, it happened on, I think it was, I think it was a Monday, I think. I'll just say it was strange. Maybe one day I'll talk about it more. Um, but I just feel while I'm still in the season, I've still, tr- I've just tried to stay fairly respectful of the whole situation. Of course. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was, it was weird. <laughs> so I said, how long have I got? You know, and they said, oh, not long. Because I said, look, I just want to tell the kids they're at school, you know, sort of teenage daughters and stuff. They might hear stuff. And I said, they said, you better let them know quick. And I turned the telly on and like five minutes later, <laughs> Slav's getting announced. <laughs> I've gone, do you know what I mean? So I managed to get the message to the girls at school just so they knew. That's a weird uh, one. Wife just... was a bit upset, but yeah. I, I was like, look, we'll be all right. You know, we'll, you know, it'll be okay. And, and and it and it has been. It's fine. It's worked out really, really well. Um, but yeah, it's an unsettling time. It's not nice, and that's why I don't like seeing any manager, head coach, or anyone getting sacked because it is people's lives, and it, people don't see how it affects your other half, the children, the families, the parents, whatever. Um, and it was a little bit weird for us all because the first time we'd gone through it, probably the first time. I think for me as well, I've been a very average championship player, probably wasn't that well known and all of a sudden then you get thrust into the limelight a little bit and it was a bit weird for my family as well. Um, you know, when we got the job, Watford was still a Premier League team, you know, it all happened quite quickly and, you know, it, so it was sort of put a little bit of spotlight on us and, um, yeah, it was a little bit of a weird a weird one. But Did you take that into account when you're thinking about it? Because like public, doing a public job, I mean, obviously being a footballer is a public job, but mm. like it's different yeah. being a manager, especially yeah. in a big club. Yeah, it, I, I didn't think about it too much. And, and because I'm not on any sort of social media, I don't look at stuff. I don't like to think of things. I don't like to look at stuff if it's going well or not, because mm. I just think, you know, a loss is around the corner and we're going to get criticised again or whatever. So I just think, stay pretty level. Um, but the kids are, you know what I mean? And they'll see stuff and it's just, that's modern day and life and it. So I'm always saying to my eldest, you know, don't look at it, please. Don't tell me that. I don't, I don't want to know. And 
you know, she's always looking. But anyway, that it is what it is. But we're fine, you know, and we're okay. And I think actually this time, because it was so quick, most people probably sided on, we were on our side, you know what I mean? And probably we came out of it with no worse off than It doesn't we, look like you've we're done the bad job there, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, because we didn't really get time to fail, really. Yeah, because you move all your, yeah. well, I don't know, what's it, is this, uh, so we're in Rob's office at the moment and there's a very sort of luxurious nap bed in the corner. Is there? <laughs> That's Nathan's. <laughs> is it? That's Nathan's still, he's left it for me, yeah. So, like, there's four pillows that look new they Rob. are new I've not used I think he used to sleep here you see I think you know, he's that he's what like, like overnight that. he would sleep Nathan would sleep here or he might have a little bit in the afternoon or he'd, or he'd have a or he'd have I think I, don't, I hope I'm not stitching him up but I think he would he would sleep here I think that's so common knowledge that you know but I'll normally stay at like a I'll, I'll stay down here but not here <laughs> but naps are very good for your brain supposedly yeah. so I'd imagine yeah. is that not something you've built into your managerial routine no I haven't I think Nate had a bit of, he worked in Spain so he probably had a little bit of a siesta yeah. in him you know <laughs> I've not I've not found time to do that yet okay so you weren't bringing in your nap bed to, no. the, to the Watford no. manager's office no. but you must have you know you have a few bits and bobs and then what's the deal you know when you turn oh, up coach, yeah, you, you so, show up with well, a whole lot of I mean, I mean, well when we got sacked then with the kit man had to just literally bin put all us mine and Richie's stuff in bin bags and then Richie spoke to, to him and he, he was able to get them to us at some stage further down the line because obviously the, you know it's long it's King's dead long live the King you know it slabs oh, in yeah. straight away and then yeah, yeah. so um, that was how that worked so I remember thinking oh, I've left my toothbrush there like I needed my electric, electric tooth yeah, electric, yeah. really good one I had for Christmas and I was like left my toothbrush so I had to buy a new toothbrush and I didn't get the right one I wanted the same exact one. I didn't get the right one. So then my wife's now got that one because I've got my old one back again. Oh, the you kit, Well, yeah, like I said, he, he put everything in a bin bag. So it was just in a bin bag with me, other me dirty trainers and stuff like that, you know, but it's in a nice case and stuff. So don't worry, it's like all clean and everything. But you, do you think of yourself as a kind of, um, like as a, I suppose everyone wants to be like a project coach, don't they? They want to like get somewhere, put down roots, make something happen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, they do, but I, th I think it's really difficult now and now more than ever to get to do that and get that kind of time, mm. because you know people want results fast, and uh, I'm probably at a club now that's got its head screwed on more than the vast vast majority in the especially in EFL, but we only need to look at the stats, don't you? This year is the most amount of sackings in the Premier League I think ever. It's probably must be knocking on the door in the Championship as well. It must be very similar. I'm not sure on that, but. The top two divisions, it's like people want to see wins now, and there's less time given. So, if we want to be in this job, you've got to be able to hit the ground running, which is what I was saying before. Now, you, you, you know, when you're going into it, you're not going to have that much time. Um, so, we all want it, we all want that support. And I suppose during that interview process, and when you're talking about it, everyone they can anyone can promise you anything, but if you don't, then get the results, you know what's coming. Mm. And that's not that's that's the worst part about it. But that's why the pressure's on, and and that's I suppose why people love it and talk about it, you know, yeah. so much as well. <laughs> it's kind of a bit of a soap opera away from the actual football oh, now, course. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you get any? Did you expect any? Because obviously you're the only second person to manage both Watford and Luton, right? And the other week, what was it? Um, who was it put Watford a shit in the? Uh... Oh God, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> something happened, yeah. Um, um, it was in the programme, wasn't it? Yeah, Stephen Brown. <laughs> start the start of every paragraph. Yeah, I didn't know about it until I found out later on. I was like, oh, okay. 
Yeah, there's no, there's no love lost between the two clubs. And I, I think I, heard, I felt it more when I moved and to this side. And, you know, I felt right. God, I've just managed Watford now. I'm taking Luton and, and Nathan's done so well. And it's, how, how are we going to... How are we gonna? How are we gonna do? Um, but the first thing I was asked, really, and the game wasn't until, well, it's on my calendar, April the first. It's not on there. It was just it's on, on my calendar there. And April the first, and I was asked about that. I think we came in November. You know, they were like thinking about April. So I, that's been hanging over me from coming in in November. I've been thinking that's coming. That game's coming. That game's coming. That's coming. And yeah, it was. You know, in the end, it was great that we managed to play well and win because. That you know, I think I don't know. I feel like some people wanted to win that game more than just even getting the playoffs. <laughs> well, it's old hat big in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, last season, this season. I know. I know. Yeah. Lads are coming used to it now, and and which is great, but it's not that easy, and we all know that. You know, the championship's mental. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, I mean. People say, you know, those games are pretty, from a neutral perspective, those games, playoff semis, playoff finals, they are pretty amazing to, to, to just even, you know, be in the middle of. But I guess you can't take that perspective. You must have to just be like, this well, is a game. I, I, I'll see now. This is, it's going to be new for me. Yeah. I had loads of playing experience of it. And then this now, obviously last year at Forest Green, automatic, which was brilliant. I was there so when you got promoted at, um, at Bristol Rovers. At Bristol Rovers, ah, right, I was. Okay. Yeah, good day. Yeah, yeah it, was it, was a good, it was a good day for us. You were um, going mad. It was very sweet. Everyone, yeah, <laughs> I kind of like. I think I was fairly chilled, and everyone else went nuts. <laughs> I'd gone in. I went in and thought, oh, everyone will follow me into the change room in a minute. And then I was getting told, "Come back out, Rob." They're all on the pitch. I was like, oh, "Okay." Yeah. So when I enjoyed it, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be new for me as well. So I, I'm not we'll see how we handle it and I think what we'll try and be is as consistent as we have been throughout the lads will know what they mean yeah you know they'll know how important the games are so I don't think it's not like they're going to need building up yeah you know there's a, there's a narrative to sort of build up around those games so I'm sure they'll be good to to watch and follow but being in the middle of it we'll see We'll see if I enjoy it or not. Yeah. You only you, enjoy it if you win. What do you how much do you talk to the to the players about kind of mentality and and things like that about the game to game on a specific basis? Or is it more like you try and coach them to see I don't know, to have a kind of I don't know, positive mindset? Or, or how much do you think yeah, about these things? We talk we think about it a lot. We talk about things like being brave a lot. We talk about it's all right to make mistakes because we're human beings and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make loads of them. I'll make more than any of you, so don't worry. As long as we learn and we react the right way, then we talk about that. And hope, hopefully then with, with that sort of mentality, we make, make less, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It totally does. Because um, people aren't frightened. Yeah. So I, I used to feel fear when I played. I was a defender, not a great one. So I used to fear making mistakes. And I didn't want to, I don't want my players feeling like that ever. Um, you can't get into someone's head and know exactly what they're thinking or feeling, but I can t only talk about it and say, look, don't ever apologise, you make a mistake. Don't ever, you know, I said, try things, take risks, you know, that that's how I sort of wanted to be, but I never was. And I felt I could do that in training, but then you get over the white line in a game and it was a different pressure and I wouldn't be the same player as I was in the week. I want my players to be the same as they are in the week, you know, when it's important. You know, at three o'clock on a Saturday or whenever it is we play. 
Did you know you were frightened? Is that did, could you identify that's what was? Yeah, going I on? felt like the, a nervous tension, a fear, and it just affected me. It affected my legs. Like I, I was all right. I was fearless until a certain sort of age, and it got worse. I think as I got older, but from nineteen or so twenty, when I was like, I was fit. I hadn't had injuries. I got into Villa's first team. I was a Welsh international quite quickly, and I could run and I could sort of do all right. And then I had a bad ankle op injury and a few operations, and I was never the same. And I was just never the same player. And 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 I think really then I was just I was never the same mentally either. I was just wasn't able to run quite as quick, turn quite as quick. Couldn't for whatever reason see the game as fast as I could when I was 19 or 20, which was really hard for me to sort of deal with. I managed to cling on for another 10 years and sort of get through games and stuff, but it was never the same. So I think empathy is a big thing that I have now for players. I can sense if someone's, you know, struggling a little bit or if someone needs a chat. I've been in the team, I've been a captain, I've been out of the team, I've been injured, I've been sort of out of the squad, you know, all of the, all of the above. So... You know, I don't know how they're feeling because I'm not them, but I've got a bit of a, a, a feeling of how they might be, what might be going through between, you know, between their uh, between their ears upstairs. And that's the most important thing. If we can get that right. And I think we have at the moment with this group of players, then, you know, you can achieve something. Mm. Did you have anyone to talk to when you were a player about this sort of thing? No, uh, but I didn't, I probably didn't think there was anything. I did, there was, there, there was people knocking around, but I suppose psychologists and stuff like that, and the psychology in football, it, it was, and you'd have heard like, this loads of time, people right my age would have said it and, and older, it was a weakness if you had to, you know, speak to people. It was just starting to come in, psychologists but and, and, and people to talk to, but I didn't really use it much. I just sort of accepted that this is just how I feel before a, a game and this is what it is. This is just what I did. So it wasn't fun for me. It was just like 10 years of worry, oh my God. you know? And it just so I never was able to really show my best and what I was capable of doing because I just sort of had a, a fear. Which is a real shame when you look back, but I don't sort of regret it or anything like that. It just made me who I am now and hopefully makes me better as a manager. So I don't have my players feeling that way. That's how I see it now. Do you think more players today, because of how things are more open and people are talking about this more, do you think they'd be more likely to have a chance to have better careers and have more fun and actually be less because of course there's in conflict to that there's social media there's yeah. so much money there's yeah. blah 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 like do you think it's it's really mixed I think you know because you're right on one hand you'll have a lot more managers and coaches now will have a bit more of an understanding of how to treat people and it's not all just like that was crap, what you're doing, what we're doing that for, and you're not allowed to make mistakes and everything else and battering people. It's more of an understanding now. And, um, but on the other side, you're getting the battering from people online and, you know, people's opinions are everywhere now. Whereas before... And so uninformed. So yeah, so, whereas before I could just maybe look in the paper and Edward's four, oh yeah, right, great, <laughs> that's about right, you know what I mean? And, and um, I just get it once a week. Now it's like you're getting it every day. So I can't imagine how the players feel because like I'm on that and if I was, it'd be me getting, you know, I'd be getting it as well. It'd be all right when things are rosy and you're winning a few games, it's, oh, that's nice, but then it can quickly turn. 
I think most, of course it's most people, most people are very supportive and understanding and know that they're human beings and, and can make mistakes and all of that sort of stuff. But there's obviously, you know, there's not as many, but sometimes that that one person has a louder voice than, than the other 500, you know. And also if you, the louder voice you have, the more kind of people magnify it sometimes as well. So it's a very, it's, it can be a dangerous place. Um, so look, Luton Town then, um, you're on this mammoth unbeaten streak as well, big achievement. Um, and heading into the playoffs, uh, what's you, how, how do you think it is that Luton have managed to compete with such smaller resources than quite a lot of clubs in many many clubs in the championship? What do you think it is about the club? I think our, our players are better than what people give them credit for. So canny recruitment. Very good recruitment. Mm. Um, yeah, January was great for you guys. Yeah, this year, I suppose, this one, but I'm, I think we're, I'm benefiting from a lot of the great work that's gone on for the last few years because I think if you look at it, we've improved on our league place for, I don't know how many years it is in a row now, it's a lot. And luckily we've managed to do it again this year. But So we're building on a, a real solid foundation. Sane owners that have got their heads screwed on, that don't want the club to ever be in a position that it was in before. You know, nearly gone and lost forever. Um, but they they were refused to go over the top to try and achieve this holy grail and and go bankrupt. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's there's a there's a balance there. There's a plan, and there's been a plan for a long time. And I think that's really really important. But it's always a pl it's a plan with trying to improve and and keep moving forward in every aspect of the club because we need to keep bringing everywhere forward. We need to keep improving the the facilities, the training ground, the academy and everything, you know, because the, the, you know, the stadium, the plans are there to, to move to power court, which is really exciting. Um, so there's, there's lots for this club and there's big, big plans for this club, but it's slowly but surely. And I think some clubs just get lost in it and just go, Wang, let's go, let's go nuts here and try and go for it. And it's not that easy because I suppose the championship, even more than, more so than any, like, you know, 24th could be, top and you know not all the time but it can happen and it can happen more than probably in most leagues um, so I think consistency a real plan really good recruitment um, and then what we do have then is a real spirit a togetherness um, a grit a real determination a hunger all of those words we've got it the players have got it and you can see it in their eyes when you're talking to them you can see that they want this and they want to keep improving and even from a selfish point of view, from a footballer's point of view, from a player, even if they don't get there with Luton, it's like, well, I want to get there though. And if we can help one or two achieve it, even if we don't, then great. Because our next bit of recruitment will hopefully be very good as well. But there's a, yeah, there's, it's all of those things. It seems like at the moment, everyone's fighting for the same thing. Doesn't mean we're going to get there. You know, we've got a chance, of course we have. It doesn't mean we're going to do it. But if we keep doing the right thing enough, I think we've shown now over the last few years, then you you can break down that door eventually and, and achieve something because um, you know you can't you can't keep being in that sort of top six and then not getting there. I don't think anyway. So if it doesn't happen now, then hopefully in the next few years it, it can do. Um, but it's due to a lot of good people that have had a real good plan and and love the club. And it sounds like you, what you learn at Telford, learning to trust the people around you and, and play to their strengths is built into what you're doing here today. Do you think um, if you were sitting down 
um, I don't know, chatting to me, like Ian Holloway, <laughs> towards the end of your, uh, <laughs> of your match. You see 12 games off a thousand, you told, <laughs> yeah, told me the other day. He's so pissed off about know, it. Um, but yeah, you know, or, uh, Neil Warnock, or, or older than that, Roy Hodgson, I don't know. If you were coming towards the end of your uh, managerial career in however many years it is, what would you like to, maybe not a specific achievement, but like, how would you like to have been, your career to have been remembered? Or what would you like people to think about when they think about you as a manager? It's interesting. I, I, want, I want my players to have enjoyed working with me. I want them to have thought, yeah, he was a good guy. I enjoyed my time. Um, and that goes from my, the staff I'm lucky enough to work with as well. Um, I want, I'd love the supporters of the clubs to, to have thought that, you know, he cared and, and he, and he did leave the club in a better place. Um, it's, it's hard being a football manager because, of course, there's a selfish side to it as well. And you know, we that supporters love their club, and when we're there, we love the club. Do you know what I mean as well? But then you can get moved on, or things can happen, and it and it can change. But um, I want people to just think. I, I would love people to think, yeah, he was good at his job, and he, and 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 improved us. Um, we're all ambitious we want to win things of course and give trophies or titles and, and things like that and we're so lucky to do that in our first year at Forest Green to achieve that was incredible but I know it's not like that every year <laughs> I wish it was um, but yeah a good person who worked hard gave everything to the club and left it in a better place you know, I, it sounds like I mean, I'm, I'm ambitious and I want to work at a really high level and achieve things and win things but I know how difficult that is for, especially, a, well, yeah, especially for someone in my position who maybe hasn't done it as a player. It's difficult. Um, so, yeah, I'll dream about that stuff, and then we'll see where I am when I'm 74. I'm not sure I'll still be in the game like those guys. <laughs> I don't think I will be. Uh, hopefully, I'm still alive then. You know what I mean? But to, to be managing top-level football, I'm not sure that'll be me. I think they're madly like to be doing that. They just must be like, love for the game. Isn't that's incredible? I just don't know if I can feel this sort of stress for the next fifth. You know, however many. How old am I now for it? For another thirty odd years? Nah, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> you won't be giving Nathan his, his nap bed back. That's for sure. Uh, he can, can come and get it if he wants. Like, he's um, yeah. I feel well. Yeah, look, when he's back, I'm sure he'll be back in work in a few weeks' time. He might be coming and knock on and get and get it back. <laughs> Nathan, if you're listening, yeah. um, Rob, thank you so much for this. That was so interesting and, uh, yeah, all the best with it. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. On the train back into London from Luton Airport Parkway, uh, just left the training ground and still kind of floating in a sense from those last few minutes talking to Rob that, Luton are gonna bloody do it. Like the way he was talking about it, you thought, me, like Luton are gonna be a Premier League side, which is just mad to consider. Such an interesting guy and also just very amusing, I thought, the way he kept constantly slagging off his ability as a footballer when he has, what, 200, uh, 200 club appearances and 15 caps for his country. Well, I didn't want to pick him up on it, but yeah, I thought part of his leadership ability probably is his kind of self-deprecating nature and his ability to talk to his players. 
so yeah i really hope you enjoyed it let us know what you thought uh tweet us at football ramble or at kvl mason let us know who you want to hear from before the end of the season and i'll talk to you very soon take care the football ramble is a stack production and part of the acast creator network small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.